It's time for episode 183 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 5th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we probably need a timeout. I'm your host, Dan Morin, and I am flying solo this week, which means opportunity. I get to be joined by three, I count them, three fantastic guests. To my left, my very good friend, co-host from The Rebound, and also the co-host of Turning This Car Around, Mr. Lex Friedman is here. Hi, Lex. Hi, Dan. I, uh, I was going to try to do a Jason Snell impression, but I decided I couldn't pull it off. Save it up. Let's, let's hear it at the end of the show. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the tease. Seated across from me, uh, another returning guest, a host of the Nozilla cast, Allison Sheridan's here. Hi, Allison. Hi, how you doing today, Dan? I am doing just fine. How about yourself? Oh, this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Anything, any excuse to not work out in the morning. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're here for. We're here to provide excuses. And to my right... Because Allison is here, and we are contractually obligated to have him. Senior editor at Mobile Nations and co-host of Disruption right here on Relay FM. Micah Sargent's here. Hi, Micah. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. So happy you haven't broken that contract yet. And uh, happy to be one of the three fantastic guests. What up? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're, I want to be we clear. Got... If Jason were available, I would not be on this episode, I'm sure. <laughs> I just want to get that out there. You, you think you're on the bottom of the totem pole is what you're saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, I'm the only host today, which means I get to kick things off with my topic to start with. So uh, let's kick it off with this. Apple took an unprecedented step this week of discussing its plans for future professional Macs, including both the Mac Pro and professional level iMacs. My question for you guys is, do you feel like this is a positive sign that they, were gonna, that they came out and talked about this publicly? Or does it seem like too little too late for the Pro Mac sphere? Lex, what do you think? My answer is yes. <laughs> um, I think it is a positive sign. I think that Tim Cook has shown repeatedly that Apple is going to be a more transparent company than it was under Steve Jobs. And I think that's, in general, a good thing. Certainly, companies competitively, for many reasons, like to keep certain things under wraps. They like to have secrets. Um, Apple is not alone in this. They're just more aggressive about it historically than many other companies are. Um, but I think that finding opportunities to be transparent and to be open about your failings and how you're going to correct them is good. If they don't have a replacement for the Mac Pro ready to go right now, then I think it's totally fair. I think it's better to say, hey, we know that the Mac Pro needs updating and we're not ready to do it yet, but we're working on it versus to just stay silent in the historic Apple way for a longer time. I don't I don't think it's too little too late because I, as I've, I've said to Dan before, like I think Apple has such a giant war chest of cash that they can make many mistakes and still survive and, and fix things up. I'm sure they wish they had a new Mac Pro ready to go now, but I think it's a nice step for them to be transparent, even if I didn't love the specific way they handled some of the messaging. You know, I, I sort of felt unsettled when they did this. I mean, they're not the mystery machine anymore, and, and I've always kind of liked that. That's what made them magical, you know, that you didn't know it was going to happen. And now, you know, a little part of me died inside because it's just like, oh, here we go. Here's a product announcement. It's coming out. It sounded kind of dull. But but to your other question about too little, too late, I've been really intrigued at the quote unquote pros who've been saying, well, you know, Apple is dead to me and, and the Surface Pro is amazing. And then when you hear them talk about the Surface Pro, which is cool looking and the ad is fantastic, 
they always say, well, yeah, it's like really slow and that's not really the machine I want, but man, it looks really cool. Or the way they marketed um, Microsoft, uh, the next uh, version of, of the OS, was they, they said, this is for creatives. And that's all they really said. They didn't do anything, but all these people are like, oh, this one's for me because I'm creative, you know? <laughs> and so I think that we'll see that um, some of those people will stay, like the people who left Final Cut never came back. But I think, uh, I think there's still plenty there for people, and, I, and I, I would not at all doubt that the next thing will be a, uh, a big success. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you ain't uh, buying it, huh? No, no, no. I... I... I really I don't know how to feel about this. Okay, I'll admit it. I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, I think it's a positive sign in the sense that everybody out there who feels like their voice isn't being heard uh, knows now that their voice is being heard. And I think that has been kind of a big deal of of or the of the main purpose and the main point of all the griping that's taken place. It seems like everybody thinks that nobody at Apple is paying attention to me, and that makes me angry. And so now we know that people are paying attention, and you know Apple is able to step out and respond uh, and, and say, look, I know that we've been, I love that, the mystery machine up to this point, but Raggy, we've got to talk. Uh, that's terrible, scooby <laughs> Um So, yeah, that, that's mostly how I feel about it. I'm glad Apple is saying, look, we're listening. Uh, whether it's too little too late, I don't think it's too little too late. People love this company, even when they hate this company. And I think there's a lot that Apple could do to upset people, and Apple would still be just fine skating on those gigantic profits that are the iPhone and all of its other products, for goodness sake. So, yeah, too little too late is way far away for Apple. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys. I mean, Apple is not in any danger of having this be a huge dent in its overall earnings. Uh, obviously, there are a small but vocal minority of people who are very invested in the future of professional Macs. Um, I got a very lengthy, angry email from a person who is a video editor who was about like, everybody left Final Cut Pro. Nobody cares about Apple anymore. Ha ha. This is way too little too late. And I thought, well, I, I don't think you're maybe their target audience anymore. <laughs> I think there's a reason that they talked very heavily about developers <laughs> in that uh, interview with all those outlets, because I think that's more and more a big chunk of their their quote unquote professional market. So uh, I think this is a good uh, a good piece of news, and I mean, I'm sure everybody would have liked to hear it sooner, but you know what? You, Not you take, Samsung. Yeah, <laughs> you take it when you get it. Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. That's uh, topic number one. Lex, you got topic number two. What do you have? Uh, here's what I'm wondering. How often do you replace or do you expect to replace your Apple devices? Um, I'm thinking about this because, you know, my kids are using some iPads that are getting really pokey, but they don't seem like they're that old. So how old is too old or how young is too young for your Mac or your iPad or your iPhone to become like creepy and not creepy, but creaky. <laughs> They're always creepy depending on who you but creaky and, and slow to respond or, or just like my kids call it staticky. Like what, what do you think is the right lifetime for an Apple device that you're buying today? I go almost religiously three years on laptops and, and I managed to catch the bow wave each time by doing that. Cause it seems about three years is when the new hotness comes out, not just a speed bump. And um, I do uh, two years on iPhones. We're still doing that, even though there's no reason from the contract perspective anymore. And always on Apple Watches uh, on a case of two. But the the beauty of Apple products is the resale value. So I, I spend a, a, a metric crap ton, if I'm allowed to say that, on, <laughs> on my new MacBook Pros. 
But the resale value I get on these is phenomenal. You know, I, a five-year-old Mac laptop easily gets, you know, six, eight hundred dollars. And so I, I justify my doing it that often because I can resell them that quickly or we still do flow down within the family. Um, I love flow down in the family because then you're like, hey, I just, you know, my daughter needs this. It's not my fault. I have to get a new one. <laughs> um, and, and selling the iPhones, too. I mean, I'm getting like $400 for two-year-old phones. I, I don't pay a fortune because I resell them so quickly. And, and the trick is don't hang on to them out of emotional excitement. You know, just get rid of it right away. Um, and as far as what is too old, I have an absolute answer to that. When you can't get a security update, get it off the Internet. Mm, just period. Mm-hmm. Don't do it preach on that one uh i yeah it's it's a difference between when one should and when one does because when one does for me means upgrading iphone every single year um i write about this kind of stuff on the daily so i would do that but honestly that's an excuse that i think a lot of tech people use (laughs) because i think we would all still update every year even if we didn't uh i like the the iphone i've got to have the new hotness Uh, when it comes to a computer though uh, Mac OS usually can update on a lot of different uh, systems that, that Apple has available. So I don't feel as it, it doesn't hit me as often, you know, the need to upgrade my, my laptop. Uh, say, and same thing goes for iPad. Um, I, for the while, for a long time, didn't have an iPad. And when the 9.7 inch iPad Pro came out, I absolutely had to have it because it's my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and I love it. But I don't foresee myself upgrading to the next iPad Pro uh, just because it's the latest and greatest. That said, again, we all make those excuses and who knows what might happen when it actually comes and is standing in front of me. But uh, my family, on the other hand, they, they would take forever to, to upgrade their devices because my my grandmother is still running the 3G uh and i'm like security it's so important uh but yes i think i think it just depends uh on on where you are on the like lust for technology to be frank i can't believe it mikey you made me look like i have (laughs) (laughs) self-control uh yeah i'm i'm kind of with you mike on the on the phone upgrades for sure and and i bought the uh, iphone upgrade subscribe to the iphone upgrade plan um a couple years ago when apple started doing that so now basically i can trade in my phone every year and it really doesn't cost me anything extra. I just basically keep paying a monthly fee for the rest of my life. Um, so that's delightful. Uh, but it does mean I get a new phone every year. And like you, I like to use the excuse that I have to write about these things every day uh, as a good reason why I need to do that. Um, I'm a li- definitely a little more circumspect when it comes to my other devices. iPads, I tend to go two or three years probably before swapping them out. My current one's an Air 2. And I didn't feel the need to upgrade to the Pro. But if there is like a new version, like a 10.5-inch version coming down the pipe... That would definitely be interesting to me. And on the Mac side, those I agree that those last much, much longer. Uh, I am not religious about replacing those things. I have a 2014 MacBook Air that I love, and because it's an 11-inch Air, it's probably never going to get another update, so I'm going to wring as much life out of that as I can. And I'm recording this on a 2011 iMac, and every time I feel like... I should be replacing this. It seems like it has a little more life left in it. So it's not at that secured, no security updates, point of no return yet. And so I'll probably keep going until it uh, until it dies on me. I, I agree with you all. Um, so that's it. No, but on the Mac side, I agree. They should, I think you can, you can make an old Mac work for a long time. I have been frustrated recently with, I, I mentioned at the top, these, these iPads 
And I was starting to think that Apple probably needs to have some option because the iPads that my kids are using are, they're definitely hand-me-downs from ones that their mom or I had, um, but they're not that old. Like a three-year-old iPad, I feel like, should still be okay. And the problem is you update to the latest versions of iOS, you install new apps that are meant to take advantage of those things, and some of those apps are going to play really creakily. And the games that my kids are trying to play, which don't seem like they're so advanced, like really are borderline unplayable. And I was thinking that uh, ideally Apple could do something. <laughs> I don't know what it is, <laughs> but maybe there's a way to say, you know, everybody wants their iPads to have the newest features, so that I get. But it's like, can I run it in less capable mode uh, if I want things to run more smoothly? Like disable some of the fancier graphics features, um, not to just the accessibility settings level, but something that's actually going to give it a little bit more processing power, even though we don't typically talk about iPad processor speeds but to do something so that things can, can work a little bit more efficiently. Because it's, it's a bummer for my kids because I don't want to replace their iPads because games are stuttering, but they definitely want me to replace their iPads. You should really hold your breath that Apple is going to work on something to slow down iPad sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that seems, that seems like a thing that they will probably do. Well, that's uh, two topics down. That means it's halftime, and it's time to tell you about this week's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Linode. Linode gives you fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can set up in just seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools that let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility that you need. And Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. It's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. They offer the fastest hardware and network with fantastic customer support behind it all. They guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. And so once your server is up, they intend to keep it that way. It's great for a bunch of different tasks, everything from running a private Git server to hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating powerful applications, and so much more. Personally, uh, I set up a VPN server on my Linode server the other day, just in case that's something that might interest you in the current climate. Throwing that out there. Uh, and the good news is they have some awesome new pricing options available too. You can now get a server with a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month or go all the way up to the other end of the scale, 16 gigabytes of RAM for just $60 a month. Their two gigabyte plan now includes 30 gigabytes of storage, all for just $10 a month. They continue to offer more and more awesome options to meet your server needs. Across the board, they're offering twice the amount of RAM that you'll get elsewhere. And even better, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And that goes pretty far, especially on a $5 plan. Uh, and with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. And with that, halftime is over. And for topic number three, we go across the table to Allison Sheridan. Well, I just got back from three weeks in South America, and it made me think of uh, whether my husband and I are weird or whether you guys are like <laughs> us in weird. How much technology do you bring on vacation? And include whatever your partners and family bring along. Uh, for me, I I kind of learned the hard way that bringing too much tech is not a good idea. Um, when I visited San Francisco, I had uh, 12, what is it, 12.9, 12.9 inch iPad stolen. Uh, 
from my backpack. And I, despite that going away, I still had plenty of technology left <laughs> over. Um, I have since kind of pared it down a little bit. Uh, my partner is notorious for forgetting his uh, chargers. So I always make sure to pack an abundance, a gaggle of chargers. But um, other than that, when it comes to like main technology, Depending on how far we're going, uh, I will just bring my phone and my Apple Watch with me. If we're going a long distance and are, you know, maybe I want to like watch the office in the car on the way or something, um, then I'm will... driving. No, 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 no. Anyway, 9.7 inch <laughs> iPad Pro will come along with me as the entertainment device. Uh, but everything else stays at home. I, I have very, very rarely brought my laptop with me when it comes to like personal vacations. Professional, absolutely, but uh, everything else still stays home, cameras and and all that jazz, because I really do think the iPhone packs in a lot of the technology that I need day to day, and where that fails, and I've got my Hitchhiker's Guide. I think it really depends on the kind of vacation. As someone who is a freelancer and works for themselves, I don't really get that many vacations where I feel <laughs> like I don't need to do something. So I generally need something more than just my phone. I feel I could start to feel anxious if I go with just my phone. I mean, if it's like a weekend trip, you know, with my girlfriend away, like I can probably get by without it. But I often bring the iPad just in case we want to watch something, uh, you know, and, and sometimes I will bring some other like a small Bluetooth speaker or something. Um, and, you know, if I'm traveling any longer period of time i generally either need to bring my ipad and a bluetooth keyboard of some sort or my laptop or both and then it gets even more complicated because if i'm going away i'm going uh, on a trip for like about 10 days uh in next week and i need to record podcasts while i'm gone so i have to bring a microphone and i generally if i'm going on a plane i bring my noise canceling headphones and i use those as my they double as my my uh podcasting headphones so uh, you know after you add all that stuff up and you start to get a pretty heavy carry-on bag but i have traveled with just the ipad alone it's fine for most stuff as long as i don't need to do any really in-depth writing i just find the keyboard a little cramped for that but it, it su suffices for a weekend away pretty easily but beyond that laptops um Kindle, iPhone, mm -hmm. iPad Pro. I usually, if I'm if I'm traveling for any, I'm going to leave work travel out because then I take everything. But if I'm traveling with the family, I try to always leave the laptop at home now, and the iPad Pro definitely helps make that possible. I typically now don't travel with the Apple Watch. I leave it at home and wear a regular old watch, um, an acoustic watch, if you will. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I don't want to deal with taking my charger out and packing it again. I usually pack a USB hub because I don't know what the outlet situation is going to be like. So I pack a little electric, you know, plug into an outlet USB hub and then it's got six ports on it and I can charge mm -hmm. everything. Um, and I typically take one to two, um, pocket sized chargers. I think I'm using Jackery branded chargers now so that I can keep all those devices alive and full of electricity. Alexis, the only one who's anywhere near as close to Steve and me. We're, uh, for a two-week trip where a week was on a boat in the Galapagos and the other week was hiking Machu Picchu, we brought two Mac laptops, a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. I left the 9.7 at home because I, you know, I was suffering. Uh, three phones, uh, an Android phone and two iPhones. Two GoPros, one to take underwater video and one to take underwater stills. One video camera, a micro four-thirds camera, two Kindles, and again, oh all God. the chargers and adapters wow. therein. 
So one of the, one of the reasons it's so complex is uh, we like to watch movies on planes, and we're so adorable you could puke. We sit on the plane. <laughs> I'll have my twelve point nine inch iPad Pro. My husband will have his um, whichever laptop he's brought, and we'll hit play on the same movie at the same time so we can laugh together and everything. Aww. So wow. he hates iPads. He just can't stand them. So he carries a laptop. The reason I carry a laptop is the great joy for me of going on crazy cool vacations is I write an email every day with photos and. And, and jocular comments about what we did that day back to all my friends and family so that they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't have all the GoPros in the video game, you don't have all those cameras, you can't get the photos to put in the, the, the email with the jocular comments, you see. Picture so like, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, well, he has a video of us swimming with penguins. I mean, come on, you got to yeah, torture your friends with that's that, That's true. Right? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I wow. Love it. Excellent. Uh, I actually, I, I, I saw those those penguins and I was very jealous. So it's definitely it's working. working. It's working. It's 100 percent working. <laughs> All right. Uh, as uh, my count says, we have one topic left. Micah, what do you got for us? What do I have? Well, uh, so my, my partner is definitely a non-techie. Uh, and, and for some reason, I've taken to calling people who who aren't as steeped in technology as all of us are norms. So the norms of the world. Um uh, for an example, he will, I see him use Siri quite a bit, um, whereas a lot of us complain about Siri. And even if Siri completely just messes up his his dictation whenever he's trying to send a message or something like that, he will sit and spend like five minutes having Siri get it right. Whereas as soon as Siri fails me one time, then I'm done with Siri for whatever that happens to be for that one uh, query, possibly for the rest of the day, depending on how pouty I'm feeling. So uh, I am curious, uh, how do people in your life that are quote unquote norms um, surprise you with the way that they use technology? Or what is something that you've observed, at least, that they do that, that you definitely don't see techies do? Uh, and an example of that would be like swiping to kill all of your apps to save battery, even though we all know that that's not a real thing and we don't have to worry about that on iOS. I assume you call them norms because that's a Cheers reference. I'm just going to, in my head, that's that's what I'm going to believe. Um, <laughs> that's fine. You know, I think it often surprised me things that they don't do. I know people who don't use iCloud backup for their photos, and I get that there are definitely reasons why you won't want to, especially because the iCloud storage space is really limited. But I always find myself thinking, your photos are so important and so hard to replace. Like, why wouldn't you want those backed up? So I always get a little, uh, you know, a little worried whenever I see someone who doesn't do that. Um, from I, I, the other thing, and maybe this is kind of just a, a super non-techy thing, but um i use i've used third-party twitter clients for a really long time and i see people who use first-party twitter client the first-party twitter client on ios especially and always wonder why i mean i guess there are some advantages but like the fact that i never see ads on twitter and now i don't have to deal with this new reply format that they've come up with is just like i feel like i'm in a weird twitter bubble where it's like oh yeah nothing has changed on twitter in like the last five years i don't know what all these people are complaining about so i understand maybe people don't want to spend the money on a third-party twitter app when they can't one for free but i always find the experience so much better that i'm surprised that anyone puts up with the first party client <laughs> Um, you know, my wife has become increasingly tech savvy, I think just by, um, osmosis. Um, but the things that she does that, that, uh, annoy me as a non-norm are <laughs> one, she never remembers to use touch ID. She knows that it's on her phone. She does not remember its existence ever. And she's constantly punching in her code. Sometimes she messes up her code and I'm like, dude, 
Like it takes it takes so little time now that it's almost annoying. Just put your thumb there for one quick and she just won't. <laughs> and uh, the other one is she'll ask me to look at why is my computer struggling? Why is it not? Um, you know, why is it working so slowly? And then you look at you know activity monitor and there are uh, something like five hundred tabs open in Safari. <laughs> And so Safari has unsurprisingly ground her system to a bit of a halt. Um, now, many, many uh, non-norms, many tech-savvier folks have many, many tabs open at all times. But then we know we will pay the price. And I have to not, not infrequently remind her that that is a, a thing that can happen. Those are the two that came to mind for me. Well, the first statement I have is that I literally don't have any norm friends. I mean, oh, I, wow. I, I don't understand why you, pe- you talk to these people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't think of anybody. So um, I've got to talk about acquaintances, people I meet, you know, at the gym or something like that. And I think the biggest thing that surprises me is how undependent they are on their devices. Mm. You know, based on what I just said, I brought on vacation. Just imagine going on a trip and somebody's like walking around without a cell phone at all. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, how can you even stand to live like that? And so... Uh, across the board, basically every acquaintance I know, uh, everybody who I met on the trip was using a Kindle. I mean, every single person had a Kindle. They might have had an older Kindle, but they had a Kindle for reading. But it just really surprises me that they don't need this the way I do. So that's kind of funny. But uh, And I do like that I feel a little bit like a rock star when I show them little tiny tips, like the very existence of 3D Touch. That's just, they're like, what? How long has that been there? I said, well, since you got your phone, pretty much. Um, and I know a lot of people don't use it, but that, that makes me a little bit sad that Apple has so many things that are, are hidden. And I, I know that makes it easier for norms to use it, that they're not getting all these pop-ups telling them, hey, did you know you could do this? But it's, it's sad that there's so much capability that they don't know about it. The thing that other, the other side that surprises me is when they do know about some of the more Uber level tips, like iCloud Photo Library, like you mentioned there, um, every once in a while I'll meet somebody who knows absolutely nothing and they'll say, well, my photos are in the cloud, right? And I look and they are, and I say, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> Good work. How did you get that? <laughs> somebody did that for you, clearly. But uh, yeah, I, I, I try not to be really close with people who don't get me you know i mean i don't know what you what do you talk to him about like sports or <laughs> i love i love it i love it uh it's i actually i get i get a lot of joy out of helping people with technology which is probably why i write about that sometimes uh and so when shane comes to me with when my partner comes to me with questions um i'm always happy to help out but uh yeah i our our interests fall on on other in other places than than in technology um but uh, those are all good, definitely good answers. Um, friend of the internet, Kyle's the Gray on Twitter was talking about how uh, he's still in university. He was talking about how everybody at his university easily uses Siri, you know, out in public on the go. And it kind of got me thinking about this because, you know, we kind of I've, I've seen plenty of reviews where we gri- gripe about AirPods or gripe about the latest update to iOS where Siri becomes more powerful because uh, supposedly, you know, we'll be looked at strangely if we use Siri on the go or, you know, out in public. But really a lot of, uh, again, quote unquote norms or for Allison, people you don't associate with um, <laughs> are, are using Siri on the go and, you know, don't think twice about it. So it's, it's very interesting. Indeed. Thanks for that topic. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic. And the bonus topic topic this week is brought to you by Squarespace. 
enter offer code clockwise at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Uh, maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or, or even a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. You can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for this show, which is also named CLOCKWISE. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. And this week's bonus question is, do you wear shoes inside your house? I'm just curious. Lex? Um, we do not wear shoes in the house, although the one exception is I have special indoor-only shoes for when I stand at the standing desk all day. Mm-hmm. I would never wear shoes at all if it was socially acceptable, so <laughs> the first thing I do when I get home is take my shoes off. But it's not about the carpet. It's just about I don't like to wear shoes. Why would you? Uh, I'm the opposite. <laughs> when it comes to like wanting to wear shoes, I hate, 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 hate feet with every bit of my soul and, and every one of my atoms hates feet. And so the more we can cover them up, the better. It's fantastic. However, I did read an article recently that talked about why you shouldn't wear shoes inside because you're tracking in fecal matter and diseases and other things. So I am, you know, it's, it's a constant battle, uh, Dan. It's a constant battle yeah, in my sounds- mind and in my heart. That sounds tough. I tend not to. I tend to wear slippers around the house, but I should be wearing shoes because I have bad feet and I have special orthotic inserts that help me make sure that, like, I walk around and don't hurt my feet, which happens more than you'd think. Well, that's that's it for this week. Let me thank my guest, Lex Friedman. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you, Dan. That was my Jason Stone impression. <laughs> Allison Sheridan, a delight having you here as well. Well, I'm glad we kept the contract alive. <laughs> and Micah Sargent, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Dan. And we'll be back next week. Uh, I think I will not be here, but Jason will be here just so everybody gets a change. But until then, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. <laughs>